The Dr. Chris Griffin Show, Season 1, Episode 12. To think accurately, you must separate facts from mere information. Now, who said that? Welcome to the Dr. Chris Griffin Show, your resource for leveraging systems and technology to ease your workload, increase productivity, and provide you with the time off you deserve to live the life of your dreams. It's time to practice productivity and the passionate pursuit of a better life with your host, Dr. Chris Griffin. The doctor is in. Hello, everybody. Well, if you had a little trouble with that one, it's because it's a bit of an obscure quote, but don't let that fool you because the quote itself comes from the one, the only Mr. Napoleon Hill. Now, Napoleon Hill, and I'm sure you guys know who he is, but I'm just going to just go over this just for the folks in the back row who may or may not have read his most famous book. He wrote a book called Think and Grow Rich. Now, Think and Grow Rich appears on the top top 10 reading list of all business books of all time that I've ever seen. Every list I've ever seen has it up there. And and he basically studied the lives and got to be really personal friends with some of the biggest shots of his time in the world. Let's just name a few of them. Henry Ford, Thomas Edison, Harvey Firestone, John D. Rockefeller, Charles Schwab, Woodrow Wilson, okay, W.M. Wrigley. Um, the list goes basically on and on. It's it's a a who's who of his snapshot in time. And he studied these folks and boiled down what he felt was like their essence of success into first a gigantic book called The Law of Success and 16 Lessons, and later a more condensed version called Thinking Grow Rich. And um, he's just... If you have not read it, go buy it, go read it. Now, it's a little bit out there at times, but the concepts, the base principles are absolutely rock solid. And the reason that I use him and that book as an example today is because one of my favorite chapters in the book is called uh, Accurate Thought. And what he's trying to get across is that you absolutely must find a way to separate facts from, he says, information, but it's basically separating facts from fiction when you're making good decisions. And that affects each of us every single day. And I get into that a little bit as we go back and we listen in, a little fly on the wall, back in Oklahoma City at my recent lecture there. And we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to head into some other really cool topics. We're going to talk about some hiring, some firing, and then how we became by some, coined the most productive dental office in America. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy uh, this little segment, and we'll see you on the back end. All right. Okay. So I told, I was told in the back I needed to hurry up and get to my solutions. So, <laughs> so that's what we'll do. I'll try. I'll try to. I'm, trying to. I'm trying to paint a picture for you guys, right? So anyway, I'm here till you guys get tired of asking me questions whenever at the end of the day, too. Uh, so like we gave that book, the accurate thinking chapter is all about, you know, it's great to set a goal and set a deadline and say, I'm going to do this. Um, I've been in a lot of coaching groups, as you probably figured out, and almost a part of every coaching group is setting goals and trying to achieve them. If you read that chapter in that book, or if you just take my word for it, that sometimes you just have to get serious with yourself and say, okay. Not only is this an achievable thing that I'm trying to do, but 
even if it is achievable, am I really willing to pay the price that it's going to take? And so I tried my best to just break down what I felt like made up a dental practice that would succeed in Ripley, Mississippi. And I read a lot of books, like, you know, that's why I'm giving away these books. And I just took this the other day just for the heck of it. So this is like my office downstairs. I do, like my wife won't even come downstairs in my house. It has my office, all my computer stuff, like I got four or five computers, and I've got a media room with a, you know, 60-inch TV. That's where I watch my ball games. I got movies, chairs, and stuff. And, and so, but my wife just refuses to come down there because she says, you know, she says I'm a pack rat and it's junky and she refuses to clean it or anything like that. And then I say, well, then I say, well, can I hire somebody to clean it for me? No, nobody's coming into my house and cleaning something in my house. <laughs> so I think, I think she's getting it. She wants me to clean it, but it's probably never going to happen because, you know, I'm just, I just am, I'm kind of a pack rat. I mean, I've got banker's boxes. Like if I wanted to, if you had a bunch of good articles and books and stuff on the internet, I would like make a banker's box with your name on it. I would print off all these three ring binders full of information. I'd throw all the boxes, throw all the three ring binders in a box, write your name on it with a Sharpie and I'd stack it up. You know, that's how I do research. And so, uh, so I got these banker boxes everywhere and you know, it's probably never gonna satisfy my wife. Occasionally I can bribe my daughter to come down there and do something. But, but I do truly believe that the more you read, it opens your eyes to more and more possible solutions, right? Uh, and I, bought, I brought some of my favorite books that I've really gotten a lot, a lot out of over the years. So, after doing a lot of thinking, you remember that, that girl that uh, I'd put on the throne and let her rule the whole office? I decided I had to get rid of her. Now this turned out to be one of the most painful instances in the history of my life. But still, she was ruining everybody's life. And finally, I said, well, good Lord, this could blow up the whole practice. I guess I've got to get rid of this person. So I thought about it. Of course, my wife, she gets so torn up about stuff. I mean, she flipped out. She, she said, oh my God, this is going to ruin us. We're going to have to leave town. We're going to have to change churches. You know, I mean, it was so bad. But anyway, I... I made up my mind. I got my actual data together. So I just called her in and got a witness and uh, sat her down one morning. She always got there real early. Now there's a tip for you. <laughs> when somebody gets there real early and they stay real late, that is never good, right? It is never good. Um, so I don't have anybody that does that now, thankfully. I actually used to think, wow, she is such a hard worker. Anyway, I called her in, said, listen, um, I'm going to have to let you go. She's like, is this a joke? And she's kept saying it over and over. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. You know, it, I've decided that you're going to have to go. She's like, is this a joke? What's going on here? You know, she's looking for Ashton Kutcher to come out of the closet or something. I don't know. Anyway, she throws this gigantic fit. Finally, after 15 or 20 minutes and saying, is this a joke? And yeah, I can't believe this and all this. Uh, finally, I just... I said, look, I'm sorry, you know, I'm going to pay you. I'm going to go ahead and pay you a two weeks vacation for the year. Uh, but you just need to go ahead and get your stuff and go. And I got up and walked off. It was bad. I mean, it was as bad as it gets. She finally left. So I always say it was like killing the wicked witch, you know, or 
that Fantasia movie where you throw somebody down, the witch down the well, and they just claw the sides, and she just, she did not want to go. I mean, it was bad, bad. But after she left, it is crazy because I got like 80% of my staff came up to me one-on-one over the next couple of weeks and said, oh, I'm so glad you got rid of her. I was thinking I was going to have to quit because I just couldn't take the mental abuse anymore. You know, and and it, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I didn't know any of it was going on. You know why I didn't know it was going on? Well, that's one reason, but she was smart. You, you anybody have any idea what she did all the time? She would, staff people know what to do probably. <laughs> she would come to me. She was always patting me on the back. Hey, Dr. Griffin, do you need anything? Oh, you know, she'd bring me baked goods. And she was always, you know, uh, she would publicly talk about how great I was. And she, she, she knew how to work it, man. She was always on my side. Every time there was any kind of discussion in the office, she was right there. She was on my side. She would just, you know, she would lay down the law to everybody else. I, mean, I just, I was, uh, my ego got in the way, and I believed she was really that great. And so uh, when I let her go, however, that started the revolution. So, so now we were freed up. Because we could actually maybe get something done because everybody now, when you fire somebody, let me just tell you this. If you guys have already fired somebody, y'all all fired somebody? Well, when you fire somebody, like there's a there's like a period, right, of of just this wonderful Elysium or whatever, just for a couple of weeks to a month, where people actually are scared you might fire them, right? And they're actually like, oh crap, I better really do what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I mean, it's great because you can get a lot accomplished in a short amount of time. So I figure, okay, I, like I said, I'm, I'm thinking how to do stuff. I tried to break down the practice for myself, what I knew would work, what I knew wouldn't work. Um, I read all the books I possibly could read. We, we started training as a team. I actually joined, you know, this uh, practice management group. We're training. Besides that, I actually just literally went down a list of, of people I'd heard speak that I knew were good dentists, and I would call them up, and I would say, uh, hey, can I come visit you and spend a day at your office? And, you know, a lot of them said yes. Some of them were free. Some of them cost some money, you know, but uh, it was just, it's just, you know, the, the one I got the most out of ever was I went down and I visited a guy named Dr. Vince Monticello in Tampa, Florida. Any of y'all ever heard of Vince? You and I have heard the same stuff. <laughs> Probably because of Woody Oak stuff, I'm guessing. He was on there some. Anyway, Vince, his was expensive. I mean, it was like uh, six grand, come down and spend the day with him. But I got so much out of that. Holy cow. And I'll show a lot of you guys what I learned there. Uh, that it really changed the course of my practice. And then we developed the blueprint. Then, I mean, I had to get serious. We had we set aside times. We would meet as a team for a, for a good six months. I would actually bring in lunch, catered lunch every Wednesday. We'd have a two-hour Wednesday lunch where I paid for the lunch, and then we just trained all two hours, you know. And uh, I hate to say we've lost some of that steam now. I'm so lazy. I just work three days a week, and we don't even take a lunch, and then I'm out the door, and I don't even stay around. But I will tell you this. If you get things done, if you get it going right, it's just like that barge going down the river. It's really hard to get it off track. You know, if you get it going good, it's hard to get off track. 
It's hard to get it turned around if you're going in the wrong direction, but you get it going the right direction, it's tough to get that messed up too. So this is like, I did this little chart here. This is sort of when I was getting really serious about all this. You know, I went, I went to see Vince, and I'd bump up a little. I went to see Dr. Gary Cameron in, uh, where is he from, Asheboro, North Carolina. Any y'all ever heard of Gary? His claim to fame is he's the dentist that was the first dentist to try to sell his practice to Heartland in North Carolina, and the state board sued him and made him give Heartland back $3 million or whatever that they paid him. And uh, anyway, he's a good guy. He just got hung up in a bad deal. Uh, Roy Smith, went to see him twice. The second time I went to see him, if you'll notice, there's a big bump here. There's a big bump from there to there. Guess what? Some of these people I would go to just by myself. I would take notes. I'd come back. I'd try to get everybody fired up. Well, it works to some extent. But then I got smart and I said, okay, I'm going to carry my staff to Roy's a second time. So we all spent a day there. So when your team actually sees what, you know, when your team's looking at what you're looking at, boom, we just went up like crazy. And then I started getting in my head, okay, well now I'm a genius, right? So I'm not only going to have this amazing practice, but I'm actually going to try to own a chain of dental practices. So I paid a Dr. Wayne Mortensen in Louisville four or $5,000 to spend a day with him. Anybody know Wayne? Wayne's got like 30-something practices in and around Louisville, Kentucky, you know. I think he goes all the way to Cincinnati and down into Bowling Green, but he's got, you know, 30-something practices. And the thing that I learned there was um, that I did not know was how much work it is to own multiple practices, right? I didn't know. I just thought, oh, you just put your system into practice, then you go to this practice, then you go to this practice. And everybody does good after that. Well, what I didn't realize, and I should have thought about this. Have you, you guys ever seen one of those circus people that spins plates? Okay. So you get this practice going good, right? And you go over here and get this one going. You get this one going. Well, this one over here, it's starting to lose momentum, right? It's slow. You got to go back over here. Whoop. And then it's like, oh, man, I can't imagine. 32 practices? Are you kidding me? But he said the thing to me that made me realize I'll be a solo dentist for the rest of my life is he said, Chris, you know, um, I really love what I'm doing, but, you know, it's just good that I don't uh, like to play golf or fish or anything like that, because on the weekends when I would be doing that, I'm actually running numbers and working on administrative parts of the, the company. And I said, well, wait a minute now. You mean I can't play golf or fish? <laughs> and so he's like, yeah, well, you know, you got, if you want to make this kind of money, you got to give something up. I'm like... I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> so, and then he also said uh, something that's made me shy. I've had associates, but I don't have one now. I don't know if I ever have another one unless one of my kids wants to be a dentist. But I have had associates since then. I didn't like it, so I probably won't ever have another one. Uh, I'm just pleasantly happy doing what we're doing just by myself, honestly. So I came up with this, what I'm calling the practice achievement formula. I don't know if that's a good name or not. You may think it's cheesy. It probably is a little cheesy. But that's the handout I gave you guys. And as I, we go through this, uh, not the book, but the single sheet, the one that's got the S and the P and all that on it. So this is kind of what I came up with. Oh. I'm one more time. I'm just going to brag just a little because I never get to brag on myself much. But what this 
this formula, I actually got an article published in Dental Economics about it. So, you know, whoop whoop, I thought that was pretty good. At the time, I used to think Dental Economics was like the best magazine in the world. Uh, also, Dental Town, I did a, a video course for them. Has anybody seen that video course? No. Anybody ever watch a video course on Dental Town? No. Anybody know Dental Town had video courses? Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. So anyway, I was number two in uh, 2014. Yeah, 2014, I was number two. And still to this day, he's had 365 podcasts, but I think mine is still number 12. So there have only been 12 of his podcasts that had 1,000 downloads. So that's one of them. So I feel like there is something to this. Uh, it may seem super simple by the time we get through the day, but anyway, this, I feel like it's helped some folks. Um, yeah, I'll tell you, this is a, here's some people, so a lot of people come to my office at different times over the years. So uh, we actually call it, and some other guy came up with this name, but he said I could use it because I thought it portrayed a good image. We call it the Navy SEAL Day. Uh, I was not in the Navy, and, but I have a lot of respect for the SEALs. But, but the, they say that after they came through and they learned how that we do the, our processes, it felt like, just intensive training like as if, you know, the Navy SEAL version of dentistry. So that's what we kind of call it. Uh, oh, yeah. I'll tell you a couple. So I'll tell you a couple of uh, stories here to, you know, before we get in, because i got to be honest, the formula itself is kind of boring. But, but it, I mean, it's good, but it's boring. But I'll tell you a couple of stories and maybe help you understand why that I'm so passionate about sharing it. This is true. Different people that have been through the years with me, it takes, it takes a little while to get this going. Like this is not something that you just go home Monday and it just starts working and you're like, wow, this is so amazing, it changed my life. This is more like you put this in place and in six months to a year to two years, you look back and you're like, holy cow, that really changed everything for the better. Uh, but it was a little bit of effort to get it going. So it's multiple, it's happened so many times now, I gotta tell you, at first, to quote the Bible, there's a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth because let's say, let's take some examples. So there's a guy, I don't want to call his actual last name because he is a great guy, but I don't, he didn't tell me to tell this story, so I'm not going. But so let's just say Dr. Ted. So I'm driving down here yesterday and I actually forgot. I was going to give you guys, this is something I'll be talking about this afternoon, this part of the formula deal, but. I was going to give everybody a copy of that, right? This is what I use at my office. I forgot them. I'm driving here and I'm thinking, oh, crap. I forgot that. It's going to be hard to explain without at least a visual aid. If I just had one, I could at least show everybody. I've got some slides, but it's not the same. Uh, so I'm actually between Oklahoma City and Memphis. Dr. Ted works. And he, he came to my practice two years ago. And, uh, you know, his practice was, his practice, well, I, I mean, it was rough. Like, in 2012, I had a seminar in Dallas. So I used to put on these big, gigantic events, because like I said, I love the idea of big dental events, a lot of dentists, a lot of enthusiasm. And so from 2012 to last year, I put on these big events in Nashville or Dallas or wherever. And... Uh, you know, it turned out it's a lot of work, really hard. And I'm impressed by you guys showing up here because this is just Oklahoma City. But it's hard to get dentists to come to stuff 
these days. I mean, in 2012, it was actually easier than 2015. It's crazy, but it's so much effort. Uh, but I, he met with me in 2012. He said, you know, I really would like to sit down and work with you one-on-one, but... Um, you know, I just, don't, I just don't feel like my team is where they need to be. I don't feel like they would even listen to me, you know, if I, if I worked with you. So, okay, 2013, he comes to me. I had an event in Nashville. He said, I'm ready to sign up. Let's do it. So he signs up, comes to my office a couple of times. We sort of start getting everything in place. So it's just his numbers are just not improving, just not improving. And, you know, I'm feeling bad because I want him to do good, right? I want him to do good. Uh, that's one of the reasons that I quit I quit doing, like I used to do these big coaching programs where we charge people thirty-five, dollars $40,000 a year to be in it. Um, I quit doing that because I just could not take it because it is so painful to try to get dentists to do anything. It is just so painful. And so I just couldn't deal with it. And so I quit doing the big program. So now I just do short, you know, people come to my office if they want to and I just do that. But uh Anyway, he comes, he's having trouble, he's struggling. That's a, and so, well, let's see, let you know, how about your team? So we got his whole team in. This whole team, seven or eight people, drive to Ripley, Mississippi, and they spend a day with uh, my staff person, Lapita. She's not on this picture. She's on the other one. Anyway, Lapita is, uh, she's my in charge of everything person. She knows how to, if something happens to her, I'm in trouble probably, but... Anyway, she actually took a day away from being my office manager and she sat with them and just talked to them all day while I'm working. And then I came in and met with them for like an hour. This guy, such a nice guy. It just hurt me. That's one reason too I quit working with these. It's just, it hurt me so bad because you just know what needs to happen, but it hurts you when you're, you, they all became my friends. and they were, Anyway, time goes on. All of a sudden, so we, he came, he actually sends another person that he thinks would be a great office manager. She trains with us. Anyway, a couple of years go by, and, and I, think of, I think of him, and I thought, well, you know, he might have some copies of this where I could run by and grab one and bring it to Oklahoma City. So I go in there yesterday, not really knowing what to expect, and I go in. He's running now. He's, he's gotten so big, I couldn't find where to park. There's 20 cars in the parking lot. He's added on to his building. He's running four hygienists, just him, no associates. And he had, you know, five or six doctor's ops. Looked like every one of them was full. I didn't ask him what he's doing, but just being in enough offices by now, I know he's probably doing about 150 a month. And uh, he comes out, he's smiling ear to ear, and he's happy as could be. And, and two of his assistants came up and they, you know, they're like, hey, Dr. Griffin, you saved our practice, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I didn't save your practice. I hadn't even been around y'all in a year. But she's like, yeah, I know. It took us a while, but we finally got it going, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so anyway, yeah, I, and of course, I said, well, I like taking credit, you know. But I said, yeah, I feel a little embarrassed. Don't give me too much, but I do like taking credit for some things. But anyway, they gave me a copy of this, so I'll show you this in a little bit when we go over it. But this, this, and there's one other thing I'll show you that really changed the way that they practice. Once they got all the right people in place, then they could move forward. But I've seen so many times, if you have the wrong people in place, it's hard to move forward. Somebody in the back was telling me this morning, or you, you were telling me this morning, that you like for your staff to come with you, but it's tough to get them to come, right? It's tough. Uh, you guys, that's why I should applaud you all for being here. Y'all are A-pluses, because it's hard if the staff doesn't come, 
you know, or if they stay on their cell phone at, during the lecture, <laughs> it's hard to get anything accomplished. <laughs> All right, I'm kidding. Um, anyway, but here's my favorite story. That's one story of a success story that I've seen. And it's happened more than, there's another, that he went, and that I have another guy, uh, took him two years in Nashville, in a rich part of Nashville, and he's trying to do a cosmetic-y kind of practice, which I hate, but he's, he sort of drank my Kool-Aid, and he's doing more general stuff. In two years, he's gone from 50000 to now 125000 and he's super happy. What's interesting to me is people a lot of times will, uh, it's like when they start doing real good, I quit hearing from them. When they're doing terrible, I can't get them off the phone, right? And when they start doing great, I don't even hear from them. So when I don't hear from people, I just automatically assume they're doing great. Now, let me tell you about Brian. Now, Brian is not just, he's not just somebody that was a client of mine. He was actually one of my best friends. So we graduated dental school together. Now, Brian, he had a lot of trouble early on. Like, he, he went to a place in Arkansas and had a really disastrous problem. But anyway, Brian left that situation. He moves back to Memphis, knocked around as an associate a little while, had a few more bad experiences. Uh, he finally decided to start his own practice in his hometown in West Memphis, Arkansas. So that was, you know, that was, that was I guess, a good move. But he goes in, and he's just kind of been beaten down, and things aren't going great. I don't know. Any of y'all ever been to West Memphis, Arkansas? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's a rough place. It's, it's, not, it's not Germantown, Memphis, or whatever is nice here. What's the nice part of Oklahoma City? Edmond? Probably. Okay, it's not Edmund. I mean, it's rough. I've got a video I'll show you guys after lunch, though, after we kind of got a turnaround going. But, but he gets, he's in there, and what we do every year, we've done for, this year will be 20 years in a row, is we go to the SEC basketball tournament together. He was a really good basketball player in high school, and then gave it up to, you know, focus on academics and stuff. But, boy, he made our dental school basketball team really good. I mean, we whipped up on the medical students for, you know, that was joyful, a joyful experience. Uh, but anyway, we're going to the SEC tournament every year, and I'm, I'm kind of going through a gung-ho dental phase most of the time. I mean, that's just, I'm always trying to share with him what I picked up or what I learned. Man, he's always, he would tell you this too, I mean, he's always changing the subject. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to think about dentistry. He was one of those guys, he left the office, he didn't want to think about it again. I mean, that's it. I don't, he's like, it's not going to get any better. Uh, there's no way I can make it better. I give up. I'm just going to do what I do and not even think about it. But at some point along the way, he got in a place in his life where he's, he decides, you know what, Griff, okay, tell me about it. So he came down, spent a day with me, took a lot of stuff back to West Memphis with him that, that we were teaching. And, uh, you know, within the course, now when he gets serious, he's serious. Like he is, like I say, he was a great athlete. When he's gung-ho, he's gung-ho. He struggled real bad. Like we had a pharmacology final, and he had, you know, like a D going into it. And, uh, you know, I'd helped him a lot. He studied with another one of our friends. And uh, he's a little bit crazy. So he came in the morning of the test, and I could see he's wired up. His eyeballs are real big. And I'm like, what's going on, man? He comes up to me and, of course, bumps chest. You know how you are when you're young. He's like, man, I'm in the zone today. He goes, and he's painted backwards on his fingernails, Z-O-N-E. 
So he goes into that final, and he did. He aced that thing, and he got it like a C in the class or something, but he was super proud of it. So when he, when he, got, when he gets serious, he gets serious. So he got serious about his practice, and um, he at the time was working five days a week. They were doing, I don't know. Anyway, he goes on, and, and he, for the first time, I guess three years ago, it took him about two years, they finally went over a million dollars. And then he got serious about taking time off because he's like, you know, I don't want to stay around here and work this hard forever. So then they went from five days a week to three days a week, and they still did a million dollars a year. And he uh, has taken up, like, tournament bass fishing. So, uh, so now he works three days a week in the dental office, and he tournament bass fishes on the weekends. And so he is, like, one of the happiest guys around. Now, just recently he's done something that I think is peculiar, but he's actually gone to two days a week, and he's taken a part-time teaching position at UT, which is odd, I think. I don't know why you'd want to do that. <laughs> but, but anyway, he's still, I mean, I think he's still going to do a million dollars working two days a week. But just, this is just the kind of thing, you know, you, when you apply this stuff, you can either use it to make more money, or you can use it to buy yourself more time off, or whatever you want to do, or just make things less stressful in general. So there it is, everybody. The stories of Dr. Ted, Dr. Brian, and the beginnings of the practice achievement formula. Pretty good episode, if I say so myself. And next time that we delve a little deeper into the lecture, we'll be getting more and more in-depth with the exact details of the practice achievement formula. So I look forward to sharing that with you guys. Thanks so much for your time. We'll see you next time. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Dr. Chris Griffin Show. Be sure to visit drchrisgriffin.com for the latest resources and updates to keep you more productive every single day you're at the practice. So when you're not working, you can do the things that matter most in life. We look forward to having you join us for another episode of the Chris Griffin Show, where the doctor is always in. Oh, 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 oh,